This Week in Tennis. Hey, Craig. It's Wimbledon time. Are you ready? I am ready, and I'm excited because we're here on the morning of the first day for probably the first time in the history of this show. We're almost live. Almost live. Welcome to This Week in Tennis. My name's Phil Nasons. He's Craig Doyle, and we've been running this show for 11 years together, 15 years in total, and we are all about betting on tennis. We talk about some issues here. We do a lot of different things. I'm a 38-year tennis teacher, tennis pro. Craig is one of the best photographers around. He snapped pictures on the tour. We have plenty of inside information. We know what's going on, and we are looking forward to this event. I know that you are because you must have seen the HSBC commercial, the advertisement, Strawberries and Cream, with our dear Emma, who plays on center court today, Craig. She does, yeah. Well, that's if she's fit enough to get out there in the first place. And then, you know, there'll be questions about whether she uh, makes it to the end of that match. Uh, she's, I, you know what? I have this hard and fast rule, as you know, that as soon as the numbers come out, the betting numbers come out, I always bet against Radicanu. always. I got Van Utwick for plus 121, a buck 21. And I'm very excited about that. Emma plays on center court in between Novak Djokovic and Andy Murray. That's quite a sandwich for those boys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but given the, the, the ticket price there, they, they, you know, if they're putting Raducanu on there, who is, let's say, not having the best of time and, and may disappoint somewhat, you got to put the big hitters on that center court as well, right? Yep, you have to. And you know what? She's the biggest hitter. She's the queen of tennis. In England currently, or the UK, I should say. I'm not so sure she's the best female tennis player in the UK. But she's the most famous, that's for sure. She's almost, she actually makes more money than Andy Murray. You know, this is an interesting tidbit I read the other day, is that Emma has more major sponsors, nine, than tour wins this season, eight. That says it all right there, really. Oh, it shows you that you only got to win the big one once, and That's then you're it. set for life. That's it. That's it. Isn't that great? You know what? That's something we just missed that out. We you know we missed out on that one, and that's interesting. But you know what? Bless her, all power to her. But I got to tell you, if I have a player who has anxiety issues and who is now very much under the uh, British microscope, the media, everybody wants a piece of her. The last place I would want to see her play a first-round match against a girl who's had more grass court wins this season, 10, than Emma has in total, 8. I wouldn't want her playing on center court. As a coach, I would not want her there. There's going to be so much pressure on her, and let's face it, she doesn't perform very well under pressure, never has. You know, I, I think that the U.S. Open thing was beautiful. It was amazing, Herculean, but that's a one shot off as far as I can see and as far as I can tell, and I think she gets sizzled today. It's going to be a challenge for her. I think there's a there's a lot of issues there, um, a lot of pressure going to be on her. She's struggling to finish a single match at the moment, let alone uh, win one. It's not a good draw. You know, when you're seeded, you don't want to draw someone who's in good form on the on the surface you're playing on. 
um, especially when you're struggling with injuries, you're struggling with form. There's just, there's just so little going for her. The only thing going for her is that, you know, it's back in London, and that's maybe, you know, the one thing you can cling on to, that she did well here last year before she had these sort of issues with anxiety or whatever it was that caused, caused the problems uh, in the fourth round. So that's maybe the one thing she can hold on to here. Maybe so. Good luck. That's all I have to say, but I, I, I'm expecting to cash a ticket later this morning. Djokovic takes on Kwan, opens up the tournament. He's won this thing, what, four consecutive times? Does he have any problems today? No, not no, today. No, no, um, no. Not for a few days. I mean, he wins. He might play Kokonakis in the next round. He'll wipe the floor with him. He's got Kekmanovic maybe sitting around the two away. I, I don't see any problems there. The, you know, the, the first problem for him could be someone like an Opelka, maybe at the start of the second week, where um, uh, you know, big serving. You know, a guy like Opelka can have a real good day on the grass, make things difficult for you. But um, I don't see Djokovic having any sort of problems at all in the first week. You, no. You're not going to get a price on this guy at all to win it, let alone to beat some of the guys he's got in front of him. You know what, and you bring up Alpelka, and, and you know the problem is, is he hasn't been very good on the grass either. Uh, he's not coming in to this event in very good form, but all it takes is a hot serving night to punch out anyone on grass. So we'll have to wait and see, but I don't see any problems for Djokovic. All the way to the semis, and now we've got Andy Murray. Probably, probably, if you listen to the speculation... This is it for him. He's going to retire if he loses today. Um, he takes on James Duckworth from Australia. You know, this could get dicey, and I'll tell you why. Because Andy Murray, has that's, his comeback has been fantastic. He's in the top 50 again. But let's face it. Most of his wins have come in uh, best of three. And who knows what his fitness is going to be like if Duckworth pushes him all the way, makes it go the distance. Now, I don't have an opinion on this match, but I wouldn't be surprised if Duckworth comes out of here with a win. Um, well, Murray, you know, he's beaten Duckworth at the U.S. Open since he had the first round of hip surgery that he had. So he's got that experience of beating him. I, I thought Murray was actually playing quite well until he picked up that injury in Stuttgart. Right. Um, his form on the grass looked pretty. You know, it it all works for him, right? He's you're not playing long points. It's a little bit more forgiving on the body. I think if it's three or four sets, Murray wins. If it goes to five, then yeah, Duckworth probably see him out with the the fitness. But if you look at it, Murray's actually got quite a good jaw here. If he gets through the first one, he's probably going to play Isner next. Isner, you know, there's not a lot of running involved against John Isner. You either get the ball back or you don't. Right. So Murray should be looking to get to at least a third or fourth round here. Okay. You know what? I'll give you that. I hope he wins the whole thing. That's what I hope. I hope he wins it. Uh, I'm, I'm very proud of him. He's won a couple Wimbledons. He can't be overlooked. But then again, it's hard to bet on a guy with a steel hip no matter what his success is. Um, you know, Ans Jabur has a toughie today against Bjorklund from Sweden. I think Jabur, who is now the number two player in the world, she picked up a little niggler of an injury in Eastbourne. Could that have an effect? And if it does, and this match starts at about 7 o'clock in the morning, we'll try to get this podcast up before that time. We'll see. You know, it's early for all of us here. 
But uh, Jabur, she walks right through this one, doesn't she? Well, we, we said the same thing at the French Open, right? We, we expected we her to go through that first round there, and uh, she had a bit of a blip. So, yeah, we, we would think that um, on on the whole that she should be playing pretty good tennis. Um, she, she looked okay um, on the grass already this year, so we'd, we'd expect her to be okay. But um, I'm, I'm a little cautious after that French Open blip that uh, – she needs to get back on the horse, so to speak, and I might wait to the second round before I... Because I don't think you're going to get a good price on her this uh, first round. I, I'm not going to play that. I'm going to wait until her second round match and then uh, play from there. Uh, to minus 2,000 today. Yeah, it's, it's not a good price, you know what I mean? I'll tell you what the good price is, though. If you're going to play that, that starts at about 8 a.m., which means it probably will start a little later than that. The total... 17 and a half games, minus 113. If you think this is going to go over, the under 17 and a half is minus 102. So there's value in this match. I suspect that if Bjorklund is going to win, you know, obviously it's going to go three sets. I'm curious about the fitness of Jabur. I would leave this alone, but that should be interesting. I don't care what anybody says. I like Ans Jabur. I loved how excited she was to play with Serena last week. It must have been a real injury for her to stop that because as you saw the way she posted and before the event and after on social media, that was one excited girl. And who wouldn't be excited to play with Serena? Yeah. You know, you're playing with arguably the greatest, uh, one of the greatest players of all time. The GOAT. Um, the GOAT, Absolutely. Craig. So, yeah, I think you're probably right. Jabir, you don't want to be backing her now because you have no idea what that fitness looks like. None. So I would be careful. I'll tell you the match I'm looking forward to today is the Struff Alcaraz match. See, I'm a Struff fan, as you know. I, he has let us down, or let me down, I should say, numerous times. But he does have a big serve. Alcaraz is not exactly the most experienced grass court player. He's even come out and said, this might not be as easy as you think for me. Struff, Struff is a big underdog and rightly so but you think he can punch him out man I've cooled on this guy's stuff remember we had a run with uh, stuff and you know you were making a lot of cash on this guy but um, no I think Alcaraz will be too good here but I I think Alcaraz has been pretty clever and he's kind of given us a clue that he's not going to win this event in fact he's probably not even going to get beyond the quarterfinals so it's going to be a case of Wait until the right time and then playing against Alvarez. Well, that's just it. You know, we I'll I tell you what. I, the first time I saw Struff play was about 20 or 15 years ago, I guess. And I really enjoyed watching him serve because I'm a server guy. So, you know what? I like that sort of thing. Gosh. The problem is, is as good as that serve can be, is as bad as that serve can be. Um. Alcaraz is a, a minus three fifty favorite. Now, for him to win by more than five games is is even money. Um, Struff is at plus four and a half, so he has to uh, lose by five, and that's minus one hundred seven. I don't know anything about these totals. I have no idea how this can go, but Alcaraz has clever people in his corner. Never. Ever underestimate that. 
the power of that. Juan Carlos Ferrero, he, he's been there. He knows. And that kid, that kid is hot. Well, sometimes he's he starting to get a little more aggressive with his mouth, you know, a little more cocky. We'll see what happens. We'll see because you know what? The grass can humble you very quickly. And we'll have to wait and see. Now, this is another interesting match on on court one. And this will go off much later today. Um, Angeliki Kerber takes on Milandovich from France. Kerber was your find years and years ago. And, you know, she let you down a couple times. And then she won you a monster pile of cash when she won her first major. How does it look for her today? Um... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, this is tough because Modenovic is quite a good player. Um, right. She's always been one who's just been steady. She's never going to win anything. Um, she's, she's a good doubles player. But being a good doubles player kind of helps on the grass, right? Because if you're going to come and serve and volley, and she's a tall girl, and, and she's got a, quite a nice serve on her, so if she comes to serve and volley, she could cause Kerber quite a few problems. But um, if she doesn't, then Kerber wins the match. So that's one where I'll be looking at the first couple of service games with Mladenovic, and then I might bet him play on Kerber if I don't see Mladenovic coming forward. You know, that's a good idea. A lot of these matches you can bet live, and you should. Just be sure to bet when they're having a player, uh, a changeover, or during a commercial break. Make sure you're watching the match. That's obvious, but make sure... That play has commenced, stopped for or temporarily before you make a wager on any tennis match because you just never know. You know, there's no such thing as a live feed. So be careful with that. Be careful. I, I agree with you. I think Kerber punches her lights out. That's what I think. She's starting to feel it a little bit. And this is the this is the twilight of her career. And why not? But Cam Norrie, that's your guy. He has a toughie. I think he has a tough match with Andahar today. What about Cam Norrie? Does he does he uh, make the British faithful? Is he will he encourage the LTA and the British faithful today, or will it be a disappointment? I think it's going to be a tough match. It'll be tough. It's always tough against players like Andahar, but I think and Norrie's probably not really suited to this surface um, as well as. Maybe on the hard courts where he, he played in the, the U.S. college system. But I think he'll be okay today. I think he's good enough to get through this one on number two court. And, yeah, we'll see him in the next round. And I think, you know, he should make it to to probably the second week. Okay. that He's got a good draw. And let's not forget that Andahar was injured in his match at Roland Garros. And he lost. He was up and he lost. So that might play into this as well Andahar's not a, a grass court player he's there to pick up a check and there's nothing wrong with that Nori's not a grass court player either but he's there to uh, pump up the faithful if you will but he's on court too so you see how he rates with the LTA right in the All England Club you see how that right you see you see how Emma Emma rates, w- rates way higher than all these guys except for Murray and she ain't done nothing uh, Para Conteve now that's going to be an interesting match Para plays pretty well. She serves okay. Kateve, uh, at the time of the draw, was the second-ranked player in the in the world. She's fallen a bit. Her results have fallen. She's had an injury or two. Is this a match worthy of your attention? Well, all of these matches on court are worthy of your attention because you tend to find the matches on court 
centre and court one in the first few days will go, you know, the higher ranked player is usually significantly high, more higher in ranking than the, the player that they're playing against, with the exception of Murray and Duckworth. But even there, you've got a difference in quality. You've got a guy who's won multiple Grand Slams and been number one in the world. So when you get to court two, the gap starts to come down a bit, and that's where you start to see the matches where the supposed favourite for the match might just get knocked off. Um, so yeah, this one's interesting to me. The next one's interesting to me, and the final match on court two is really interesting to me as well. There, are, I think they'll all be close matches. I think so too. We're talking about Yannick Sinner taking on Stan Wawrinka, and Maria Sakkari taking on Hives. And I think that the Sakkari match will go five or three sets, only because Maria has issues with her serve sometimes, and her confidence most of the time. And I, I, I suspect that we'll see three sets in that one. Yannick Sinner, Stan Wawrinka. I don't have an opinion on that. But it might not be worth, it might be worth, I should say, a shot. I'm putting a couple bucks on Stan Wawrinka today. Sinner does not play well on grass. And maybe Warrenka comes up with conjures up some old magic on court two and takes care of business. That would be would that be a big upset to you? Um, no. Although, like for my money, Warrenka doesn't play particularly well in the grass either. That's um, true. It, it's it's a difficult one to call. I think I I think you gotta not look at the the ranking of Yannick Sinner. Um, and obviously Stan Wawrinka's way down the ranking because of you know the numerous injuries that he's had. But I, I think you got to take this one as it is, and I think like it wouldn't be a surprise, you know, first round if Stan Wawrinka knocks out Yannick Sinner. But it's do you really want to come out and call a winner on on a match as tight as this? Like it, it's that's one of those nightmare matches for the seeded player who isn't quite as comfortable on this surface as he might be on the clay or on the hard court. And he's up against a guy who, you know, has won three grand slams. That's not the guy you want to see in the first round if you're Yannick Sinner or, or any other seed. No, you sure don't. Let's move to court three quickly. Uh, Davidovich Fokina takes on Herkukax. Herkax, excuse me. I always say his name wrong. Herkax coming off a title. Got to the semis yeah. here last year. Fokina hits the ball real well on grass. He hits a clean ball on grass. But do you think the pole has, has any issues here with this guy? I don't think so. I think it does go a little farther than most. I think it's going to go four sets at least. And I don't even think it's going to go that. I think he'll blast him out real quick in three sets. This is a guy that beat Roger Federer on the center court a few years ago. That's right. You know, this guy, people forget that. This guy is underrated. You just told me two seconds ago this guy won a title the other week. Um, his confidence is high. He's coming in here. I think he, you know, he, he didn't just win the title, did he? Not knock off Daniel Medvedev to win that one as well. Yes, he did. Um, you know, he's got big game. He's coming in here, caught three, first match of the day. He'll be serving like it's his first Wimbledon. Um, he, he's going to have no problems here. Three sets, um, and I might, I might even play that. I'm, I might just play the the under on games or or play Hurkats to win three zero, something like that. I'm real confident on this one. Yeah, this one you might not get in because it does start at about 6 in the morning in the United States if you're listening from the United States. But, you know, what can we do? We'll give you a bunch of them for Tuesday, though. How's that sound? This is one I have interest in because I took Danielle Collins to beat 
Buskova today, and I think that she will. I like the way she's playing. I like the fact that she can volley a bit. I know Buskova has a big serve, but it's erratic. She doesn't hit the ball with confidence, and I think Collins comes through this one. Yeah, no, I, I can't disagree with you there. Okay, so Heather the Feather. Heather Watson plays over on court three. She's really fallen. Remember when she used to be their girl, her and Laura Robeson? Not anymore. She's taking a court patch from Germany today, and I, I don't know. I don't know. You might be able to get this one in if we make a pick for you, but I don't know about this. I, I think Heather the Feather disappears after round one, Craig. Well, you know, her record at Wimbledon is not great. She's made it to the third round three times in about 10 years or something like that, 12 years. Um, the last time she made it past the first round was 2019. So she, she went out first round last year. Um, uh, you know, she's due one, I think. And hey, she couldn't get a better draw than this, right? She's, she's ranked 120. She's drawn an opponent ranked 105. This is about as good a draw as she can get, you know. And her opponent's a veteran as well. Her opponent's twenty-seven years old. She ain't no um, youth player that's come up and super hungry. Um, you know, twenty-seven-year-old um, opponent who has a win-loss record on the tour of nineteen and twenty-five. You know, at twenty-seven years old, she ain't played matches. So I've, I've got to say that Heather Watson's got to have the experience here, and she should win this match. Um, and I, I'm going to play Heather Watson for once. Woo, that's bold talk. You guys all put your money on Heather the Feather because if Craig picks her, she'll probably win. Peniston, your boy from Great Britain, he takes on Laxanen from uh, Sweden or Switzerland. Sweden. Um, Peniston, Peniston is a nice little player. Laxanen doesn't play on grass. I think your boy from the from uh, Great Britain wins this one, Peniston. Yeah, I, I can't recall Laxton ever getting beyond the first round here. So for Peniston, who this is his first ever Wimbledon, um, this is probably again like as good a draw as he could have hoped for. You know, when he he saw the uh, the draw go up on the board, he must have looked at this and thought this is this looks like Christmas to me. Um, so yeah, like he's he's a smart play here. He sure is. Now let's move over to court 12 quickly. Casper Ruud, he's the third seed in this event, which he shouldn't be. And he takes on Ramos Vinolas from Spain. I wouldn't be surprised if Ramos Vinolas takes him out. This is a clay court matchup on played on a grass court, two clay court guys. I don't have much, uh, much faith in Ruud on the grass. What do you like about this? Because I think I might take this as a total and go over. It'll go five sets. I think that's probably a good play. I think Casper Ruud will probably win the match. Um, he's going to find it much more difficult when he comes up against someone who is capable on the grass. Because, you know, he's he's actually a good hardcore player as well. I like the guy on the hardcore. Yes. He's a, you know, he's a, he's a right proper top 10 player on the hardcore. But the grass... The way the ball bounces doesn't really suit how he plays, but I think he's got a good job because Ramos Vinolas is very much a clay court player. So yeah, I think this guy, this one will be a bit ding dong. We'll play for at least four sets. Um, I think it'll be a good match, but um, let's play the over. 
Let's play the over. Okay, you know what? I have one more match that I'm interested in today. Court 12, Benchich. She's the 14th seed. She's taking on Wang from China. I like the total in this one to go over. Benchich, she plays okay, but she also struggles. It's a hard surface for her, I think. She's probably a little disappointed that she's not played on center court. And not Emma, instead of Emma, but, you know, Emma's the queen. So she, you have to bow and curtsy to that queen. But I think this goes three sets because Wang, Wang fights like a tiger. And I don't think Benchich likes that much. Um, yeah, she's having a lot of difficulties with injury as well, Benchich. So I think you might be onto one there where you might get an upset. Could get an upset, but I'm liking I'm liking the uh I like the uh total in this because I don't think she beats her in two sets or in straight sets. So I think it could go three. In fact I'm pretty sure it might. And and I bet on that too, just full disclosure. Now Tuesday. Tuesday we've got some matches, but before we get into that, you mentioned something to me this week about possibly changing the dress code at Wimbledon. It had something to do with BBC reporter Catherine Whitaker claiming that women shouldn't wear white at Wimbledon because of their menstrual situations. You know, she's really hung up on that menstrual thing, I can tell. You know, that's what happens when you don't have any actual tennis knowledge and you just hang on things. But do you think that Wimbledon should change the color or the uh, dress code to suit the ladies because of those issues? Or do you think they should just leave it alone? Because I don't care what anybody says, they're never going to change that. They're not. I mean, like if you go to a, a you know an expensive restaurant in your area, are you going to turn up in your gym gear or your, your shorts? And then they're going to allow you in. You know, if you go to a particular bar and there's a minimum dress code of, you know, um, wearing a, a sharp suit, if you turn up in your shorts, do you think they got the security at the door is going to let you in? And you think if you then complain about it that, you you know, you sweat a bit too much when you wear a suit or whatever, that they'll just turn around and say, well, you know, actually, we'll, we'll just start letting people in with shorts on. No, I mean, there's a, a dress code in place at Wimbledon for the last 140 years. It's been put into place for a reason. It's one of the um, massive traditions, as, and I think that's what you're pointing at when you say they're not going to change it. Um, I, I think we've come to a place in the world where we are deciding that people are going to make a name for themselves by attempting to change um, the status quo in, in various areas. You know, They'll come out with a reason that suits whatever agenda that they think will, they'll be able to push to get it through. And Catherine Whitaker is a person who's looking to make her name for herself in the tennis world. She's had a go at the menstrual cycle last month at the, at the <laughs> Roland Garros, and, and we called her out there. She blocked me on Twitter a few years ago when she was crying about the number of women's matches on center court. And I tried to have an open discussion with her. You know, I tried to, I, I wasn't trying to, be offensive. The discussion we tried to have was that the ticket price would have to change on center court if you had two women's matches and one men's match because you're getting less tennis for the 
you know, it's a four-figure ticket for most people on that court. I mean, you, you're paying thousands of British pounds to get a ticket. And you're probably paying that twice because most people buy two tickets, one for themselves and their partner or, or colleague or friend or whoever they're coming with. And if you're suddenly saying to them, well, actually, we're going to have less tennis on the day for you, then you have to change the ticket. Well, she didn't want to hear it. She wanted the ticket price to be the same, but the amount of tennis to be less. Um I also tried to bring in the point that at the time, you know, there were four top stars on the men's side and there was only really Serena on on the women's side. Um, uh, But she didn't want to hear it. She would rather black me and uh, silence me after calling me sexist and a variety of other things. Um, And I just remember our friend David Laws did apologize to me on Catherine's behalf. Uh, Personally, to my inbox, um, and, and we know, we know, we know David Laws on here. So, um, you know, credit to him for for taking the time to do that. But uh, yeah, Catherine Whitaker's got an agenda. She wants to be seen as a pioneer in tennis. She wants to be seen as a Venus Williams. But Catherine Whitaker doesn't play tennis, as far as I'm aware. I've I've yet to see her in any of these draws. I've not seen her in any of the qualifying events. So my assumption is she's not playing tennis. So she's not going to be Venus Williams. She's not going to be Billie Jean King. Um. But she wants to be, but she's a journalist, and she needs to know her place as a journalist. Not know her place as a woman, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that she needs to know her place as a journalist and allow the players within the game, if they feel there's an issue with Wimbledon's dress code, then why aren't the players speaking out about it? Why is a journalist speaking out and not being backed by any of the players? That's the question I'm asking. Well, that's because what you said. Every reason in the world for her to push this is for what you said. She needs to find some type of credibility in the sport of tennis. You know, it's interesting when you look at the tennis media world, the only time you see these guys getting interviews is when they have to, when they're, when the players are forced. I know several players who wouldn't talk to these guys or girls at gunpoint unless, well, you know, well, unless they had to. And even then they don't, they, they just blow their questions off. Catherine Whitaker is one of those people. She is probably one of the most inept broadcasters I've ever, ever had the displeasure of listening to. But the great thing about Katie Whitaker, and I'm thankful for her because you know why? I was listening to, I was watching a tennis match she was commentating on in a hotel room and it had one of those monster remote controls with about 50,000 buttons. I was able to find the mute button. Thanks to Katie Whitaker. I don't pay attention to her, man. Nobody should. These tennis journalists are so bad. They're so biased. They're so inept. They're so, they lack knowledge of the history of the game. They don't respect the history of the game. They don't respect the institution of the All England Club. They don't respect anything other than their opinion, which is based on their own imaginations. Most of what they say, these journalists, including Katie Whitaker, never, never comes to pass. They don't give you anything productive. They just talk about bullshit. That's what they do. Speculation, because like I said before, and I, I know several players who refuse to speak to ma- the majority of these journalists because they're rogue. They're looking to make a name for themselves outside of where they should have, and that's in the game. And unfortunately, Katie Whitaker is is probably a headliner of that. 
She is you know the what face she of do? dumb shit. She, she really should take a line from the likes of Sue Barker. Now, Sue Barker's played the game. Sue Barker's yeah. a, a Grand Slam champion. Yeah. But Whitaker could learn a lot from her, you know, the way she carries herself, the way she doesn't interfere with things uh, within the game now. You know, she knows that she's in a journal or so. And, and while she's got a lot more experience of the game than Catherine Whitaker will ever have, she could maybe learn a little thing about how to conduct herself from, you know, the great Sue Barker, who will unfortunately be departing the British Wimbledon coverage this year. I think there's a role model there that she can perhaps learn from. And uh, if she wants to, to make a name for herself in journalism, that's the role model to follow. The the controversy and the, the bringing the game into disrepute as she is at the minute is not going to make her memorable. All it does is it wants people like me... Um, people like you, the average viewer, just to turn her off the screen. You know, you, you want to press that mute button or you just don't want to see her. And in an age where the the TV anchor and the TV journalist is becoming less and less because we now have the ability to switch between different courts and, and not see the people sitting in the studio talking about tennis all day, she's becoming irrelevant and she's trying to find a way to keep herself relevant. Well, she wants to do that. She can learn from, you know, one of the best in the business. She could. Maybe she has, but you know what? It hasn't translated. But you know what? This podcast isn't about Katie Whitaker or or her uh, podcast. There's hardly any sour grapes there. I don't give a crap what their numbers are. I, you know what? We don't sell this podcast. We don't go over on Patreon and, and tell folks how hard we work. We just give you winners. And it's documented that we have. We struggled a little bit at the beginning of the season. There's no doubt about it. But I'll tell you what, we at the end of the day, we bring a lot more value, betting value, than anything that the, that girl and David produce. And I, I don't have a problem with David. And the kid, Matt, the other kid they have there, I was excited for him to be able to go to Roland Garros thanks to their listeners. You know, their listeners kicked them cash to go. Our listeners, our listeners don't give us anything, and we give them winners. I'm jealous of that, though. But you know what? At the end of the day, pff, I don't really care. At the the bottom line is, is these journalists are terrible. They make things up. They don't know what they're talking about. They've never been on a tennis court in their life other than to do an interview. And at the end of the day, you know what? They're just part of the. They're part of the uh, noise that I try to mute out as often as possible. I don't follow any of these people. Never have, never will. I don't need them. And that's it. Now, Tuesday. Tuesday's got some interesting matches. Some real interesting ones. Now, what I want to do is I got to find this Serena number. Here she is right here. Serena Williams is a 3-3-3. Minus 333 favorite against Harmony Tan. A plus 260 dog. Serena, back at Wimbledon. I like it, Craig. What a great draw as well. You what know, a you, great you, draw. You, God you bless you. You get some young French kid who's, you know, never really uh, played there before. I know the court allocations aren't out, but I can tell you that that match will be on center court. Um, it'll either be on center court or court one. Um, big crowd, Serena Williams, um, and she'll win quite comfortably. I would think so. Let's hope. You know You know what I want to see? I don't have the draw in front of me. I hope it's possible, but I want to see her take on uh, Simona Halep. I want to see that match for the drama and watch Serena pound the shit out of her. 
I think Serena Williams is going to win this event. She's got a nice draw. You know the other thing that was fun before the tournament was when Venus came to the tournament to watch her sister play. And she went out there and hit because, quite frankly, she should be allowed to anytime she wishes. She's won the damn thing a few times, right? Five, right? Yeah, yeah, five times. I think they, they named one of the sweets after her somewhere as well. They should have. They should name a lot of things after Venus. But then I love watching the speculation by these so-called reporters who should already know she's not playing, but they don't have any inside information because, again, no one tells them anything because why would you? I mean, you can't trust them. There's no Venus has already made it very clear that she has no intention of playing Wimbledon. If she were able to play at all, she would be playing singles for sure. But that being said, I would love to see her paired with Riley Opelka in mixed doubles. That'd be a lot of fun. I would like to see her play with Serena. That would be the other thing that would logic would state. If she were going to attend to play, she would have entered that draw with her sister. But, you know, the the reporters don't know much. But, yeah, Serena Serena's a great play. Now, let me pull these matches up. I, I don't have many, Craig. Uh, let's see. One of the interesting matches, I think, for me, will be Danka Kovinic and Sone Kartal. Kartal is a 177 favorite. Kovinic is a 160 dog. The The game spread is only three. The total is 20 and a half either way. I think Kovinic pulls off an upset here on Tuesday morning. I, yeah, I, I like that. You know, with the game spread that you've got there, I, I quite like that as a, as a play. Yeah, if you think about that, you could probably play plus three at minus 102 and take a shot at the dog at plus 160, right? You probably could, actually, yeah. Or do you just want to play the spread at plus three? Does does Cartel beat her by four games? No. No, No, I don't think so. I think that's your better play right there, the plus three. I think that's a fantastic play. And you know what? We're going to lock that one in for sure. Uh, let me see. here. Here's the other one. Here's another one I was looking at. We'll get to the men in a minute, guys. Don't worry. We're going to give you plenty of time so you can make some money on Tuesday. It's all good. We're not charging you. We're not begging for uh, donations. Uh, let's see here. Yulia we're we're not on Patreon. No, not on Patreon. Not at all. You know, I would never do that. I would never do that. You know, we've had opportunities to have this show sponsored, too, but we've turned them all down. I mean, we're really not. We are, but we're not. We love for you to hook us up. You know, you can hook us up anytime you want, but uh, that's not our expectation or our goal. Our goal is to give you the best information possible by two people that have spent most of their adult lives. I have all my adult life in the tennis industry, and, of course, I spent most of my junior years, too. Uh, Putinetseva and Elise Cornet. Cornet is a minus 125 favorite. Putinetseva is a plus 110 dog. The game spread is a game and a half either way. And the total is 21 and a half, both sides. Best bets. What do you like here, Craig? Because I think that we could see an upset maybe. Yeah, Cornet is a little bit hit and miss for me. Um, she struggled like a your, bit too, right? 
I like your upset here. That's a good call. Yeah, I think so too. You hear those clicks? You hear those clicks? That's us making wagers, boy, as we speak. You got to love it. Aya Tomlanovic is playing Jill Teekman, and Teekman is a big underdog here. Plus 163. Tom Janovich is a 188 favorite. The game spread is three. The total is 21. Wow. That's a big number for someone who I think, Teekman anyway, is better than what her record states. And I think she might be able to pull off an upset, but I'm not sure if I want to put my money down. So what do you think about this? It's a very enticing price, isn't it? Sure is. I mean, when I saw that, I was like, wow. Is there something that we don't know about her uh, her injury or, or something that maybe is skewing that price a little bit? I don't know anything other than the fact that Teekman has struggled. She has the ability to take out anybody any given day. Spends a lot of time hitting the ball off her back foot, Craig. You hit the ball off your back foot at Wimbledon and you're going to lose. I don't care if you're slugging it out for the baseline or or whatever you're doing. That is not a court, a surface where hitting off the back foot is going to provide or produce any real results. I don't want to lay a minus 188 for Tomjanovic, though, because, you know, she can be dicey, too, though. Perhaps we take the total on this one, Craig. Mm, yeah, yeah, I could call. Over 21. This got to go three sets, right? Yeah, I, I, you know, a lot of women's matches go three sets. I mean, you and I know that. You know, someone wins the first set, the other person pretty much guaranteed to win the second set, and then someone will fall to bits in the third set. I mean, I, I, it's, it's one of those where you got to be careful on, on the games because sometimes someone wins the first one 6-1 and they lose the second one to love. Um, so you got to be a bit careful. But my, I, I think, you know, let's let's play the over on this one. I, I really do see the over being uh, the right play on this one. Well, I think so too because, you know, take into consideration a couple things. Neither of these girls are big servers, so they're 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 more interested and more comfortable to uh, get the first serve in and just play balls. Now that makes it a little harder at Wimbledon, depending on how the bounce of the courts are. I would think this is going to be a good match. I think the over is the way to go, though, because quite frankly, this is a coin flip. The numbers here are really ridiculous. That's a big disparity in numbers and betting odds. So play the over keep your fingers crossed it goes three and it's not one of those six love six love six love types deals you know what I mean because we've been seeing a lot of bagels and I'm not so sure we should be uh let me see Barbara Krechakova is is back and she's taking on Zaneska and and you know Krechakova is a huge favorite here mine is 492 Craig she hasn't played much you know, the point spread is almost a full set, minus five and a half. Totals 20 games. You're looking at the over here. I, I don't think Krechakova wins in straight sets. If she does win it all, and I think she will, I think this one goes three. I think the over is just such a great play on women's matches as a whole. Um, there's, there's so many opportunities to play the over. Uh, I, I often say to people that, 
when you um, you're picking a winner. If you're going to pick a winner, you might want to pick the winner and play the over just for that extra little boost on the price. Yeah, or to get an edge, you know, hedge the bet a little bit in case your girl loses. You still got something in the can, but you can't play a four ninety two favorite. I don't care what you try to do. That's that's uh, that's asking for trouble. Greet Minnan takes on Garbine Muguruza, who has not been very good lately. The total is 19 and a half games. That looks attackable. This is another one where Muguruza, Muguruza is a five and a half point, five and a half game favorite here. Does she beat her by a set six love, six games? I don't think she does. But I think this total, I think this Minnan's not bad. Muguruza struggled a lot, and I I don't see her. Uh, I might I see her maybe winning, but I don't see her winning in straight sets. She hasn't played that well. Not recently, no. I, I, that would be a surprise to me if she did. So play the over and thank us later. That nineteen and a half games is pretty low total here. Sloan Stevens takes on Quinn Young Zan. She's a slight dog, a favorite at minus 125. Zhang is a, a plus 113 dog. The game spread is one and a half either way, and the total is 21 and a half. Do you leave a Sloan-Stevens match alone? Her results have improved a bit, but do you leave this match alone, or do you attack it and, and pull, look for an upset here? No, I think Sloan's playing pretty well at the minute, actually, like as well as I've seen her um, in a long time. So this is not one that I'm enticed to play, but you know, maybe you're different. Maybe you out there are different. Um, I'm leaving it alone. I don't trust Sloan Stevens. Every time I make a play in her matches, it doesn't go well. Or it er- turns into a sweat, and I'm not a fan. Now, here's a match that you might be able to play. is Petra Martic against Shelby Rogers. Rogers is a favorite of minus 153. Petra Martic is a buck 33 to the good. The spread is two and a half games for plus two and a half for Martic, minus two for Shelby Rogers. And the totals, again, are different. 21 and a half to the over, 22 to the under. Which way do we go with this? I play. I, I probably play Markic, um as a bit of a gamble. Um, I've not been high on Shelby Rogers recently, so uh, yeah, I, I think that would be my my play. Yep, I just locked that in. I'm taking Markic on the money line and take that dog. Okay, so let me see here. Jessica Pagula takes on Donna Vecic on Tuesday. Pagula is a minus one forty three favorite. Vecic is a buck twenty five dog. Two games is the spread, both sides, and twenty one games is the total. Pagula's played pretty well, but so is Vecic. This goes three. It does. Uh, I'll be playing three and Pagula to win. Yeah, I like that. I like that, Craig. I like that a lot. Let me see if there's anything else here where we could uh, find an edge. I don't see too much. Don't see too much on the ladies' side of things. Don't see it all. Now, maybe this Simona Halep in this Muchova match might be interesting because the spread is four and a half games. The total is 20 and a half games. 
Halep has struggled a bit. You know, I don't know if she loses this match. I don't see her losing this match. But does she win by five games? Or better yet, does this go three sets and break the 20-and-a-half game total? No. No, not three for me. Um, I, I think... I think even if it did go three, it might not break the 20-and-a-half game total, actually. Yeah, it could go quick, huh? I don't see too much else here that's even worth talking about, and that's a pity, but the men's side of things, I'm sure we have plenty. Let me pull up their the, the odds for these guys. Christian Guerin, what a draw. You draw Matteo Berrettini, someone I think could actually win this event. That that doesn't even come close, right? He's sec- second favorite Berrettini to win the whole thing. So, um, yeah, not, that's a really bad job for Garin. Um, Berrettini's probably going to walk through that one in straight sets. All right, well, here's one that's mismatched. This is mispriced. Benjamin Bonsai is a minus 733 favorite. Taking on Zdenek Kolar, a plus 575 dog. The spread is six and a half games to for Bonsai and six games for Kolar. The total is thirty four and a half. I try to stay away from these totals the first couple days at Wimbledon because you just never know. You, you know, we want to see how the ball's bouncing. We want to see how the servers are taking advantage of the grass if there is an edge there. So I usually wait, but there is no way. And I know Bonsai's played pretty well recently. But there's no way he's that big of a favorite against Kolar. Kolar doesn't play that shabbily. No, it's, again, it's strange pricing. Um, I'm just looking to see if there's an injury involved or something here. Um, Can't be. I don't think there is. and I just think it's just a bad number. I don't think that Kolar wins, but I don't think Bonsai wins by more than seven games. Um. Well... I think you, know, you might have to leave it alone. I mean, but that's just a number that stuck out more than any other number in the entire draw. I, and we know that Kolar didn't actually win to get here. I'm pretty sure he got through on the lucky loser because I think he lost in qualifying. Um, so maybe that's what's skewing the price is the fact that he's already lost on the grass um, and he's coming in here on on a losing record and they're, they're going to back Bonsai instead. But... Um, yeah, it's uh, as far as I know, Bonsai's only ever been to the second round here once before. So that's a, a big price for a guy whose uh, record on the grass isn't great. And I, I and I know that um, Kolar's never he's never been. I don't think Kolar's ever been in the first round at Wimbledon. It might be his first appearance, and he's in there on a lucky lucky loser ticket. So you know maybe that's what they're going on, but. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of games, a lot of games swing for a guy in Bonsai who isn't particularly highly ranked um, either. He's he's just inside the top fifty. So you know, had had it been like Djokovic or something, then I would have gone, yeah, okay, I could see him winning by more than seven games. But Bonsai, maybe not. Brooksby and Kukushkin, Kukushkin, my boy, I love that kid. You know, he's made me so much money over the years because he's so underrated. He has a big serve. He doesn't have the results, though. But then again, when he does win these big ones, I'm usually on that side. But Brooksby, I don't, you know what? I think Brooksby is more a product of COVID-19 and its restrictions than it is his talent. I think you're seeing that. But is he a 263 favorite? Um, 
big yeah. well you know, again it's not a great price but he, he and it's his first time here as well so ooh, it's it's difficult i mean i, I like brooks but he's a young guy as well so he's gonna be playing attacking tennis i think so i you know i, I like a bit of that I, I do like a bit of that and i think i would if the price was better i would play him but um it's not it's, it's not good enough to play him and the total of the over is minus 122 i'm leaving that alone uh, that's too much juice for me to pay. Jack Draper takes on Zuzu Bergs. That's your guy, Jack Draper. Um, you know, I I think he's done okay in the lead up to this. I think yes. you know I warned you off at the right time. Yeah. Um, he's got a good. He's never been beyond the first round, but he he did play here last year. He's only twenty years old. I think he's got a good draw here against a guy. Who has never played here? He's here on a a wild card ticket. Um, young Belgian guy, twenty three years old. Draper's got you know himself into the top one hundred. He's his confidence has got to be going up the way. If he could get together a little run here, you know he he wins this one. Um, you know potentially could be playing Alex Demonure next round, and, and and you know how good Demonure is when you put money on him. Um, Draper could be looking at this and he could be thinking, hey, I could maybe get myself into the third round and play against someone like a, a, a Schwartzman or someone like that. So, um, yeah, I, I really do think there's this is a good chance for him. This is as good a chance as you're going to get at 20 years old at your second Wimbledon is to play against a wild card who's never played here. Uh, get yourself into a, a marquee match in the next round. Get yourself out there on one of the bigger courts and uh, make a name for yourself. And make a few extra pucks too. Look at Emma. Look what look what playing on center court has done for Emma. Nine sponsors, major sponsors. If she wins this event, she'll be the first tennis billionaire. There'll be no question. They'll be lining up, and there'll be no living with her after that because well, it's already becoming difficult. She'll be the second one because Maria Sharapova's already there. She's a billionaire. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, she'll be the second one then. You know, Anna Kornikova didn't do too bad either. Anna Ivanovich has done pretty well, but uh, you know what? This is an intriguing match on Tuesday is uh, Arthur Rinderneck against Denis Shapovalov. I'm not a fan of Shapovalov. He, Shapovalov is a big favorite, minus 275. The spread is four and a half games, and the total is 40 and a half. They're expecting a battle. I think they're going to get one. I'm going to leave this alone. If I were going to do anything, I'd probably play the plus four and a half. I don't think Shapovalov beats him by five games. I just don't like that kid. Um. Yeah, I mean, he got to the semifinals here on his last run, so that's why you're, the pricing's a little bit skewed. But um, he's so hit or miss. You know, he's the... Um, He's Felix for me. He's just another, feel, you know, the two Canadians, they're both the same player to me. Well, one week they'll come out and they'll look dynamite. The next week they'll come out and you could probably find something that rhymes with dynamite to uh, compare them to. Um, well, maybe people don't really know what you're going for because uh, we don't use that term here very often. Uh, we'll not bring any British terms into the conversation, but um, Shapovalov, it's so hit or miss. You know, it could be He's great, shite. it could be terrible. Well, okay, you you can bring the, the terms to the table. That was <laughs> not from 
not from me, but... Um, we have to teach them, folks, about the slang in the streets in the UK. Well, you're going to need that slang this week at Wimbledon. You know, you're going to hear those words on the commentary. Or, or maybe not, but um, you might hear those words in the commentary. I don't know. Um, you know, John Inverdale was on there. He, he, he says a lot of things you're not meant to say. Yeah, especially um, toward women. I, that is a guy right there. You want to talk about people on TV who shouldn't be? That's one of them, but I, I digress. This Chapoval, Chapovalov... He cries all the time. I I tell you what, they ought to hand him an extra towel just for his tears. He, all he does is whine. He's never done anything on a tennis court to, to to back that up. I hope he loses tomorrow, to be honest. I want him out of there. I don't like that kid. Well, you know, we're all entitled to an opinion. I think he might, uh, he might do okay, and I think the crowd probably... Um... Probably get behind him a, a, a little bit. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think um, he'll do okay. But as you say, like he's not endearing himself to the audience back home. I, th- I think that's what you're. How you're trying to put that one? I'm trying to put that in a different way. People don't like all the whining. You know, tennis industry people, the coaches. I, I belong to a couple coaches forums, and they talk about him all the time. So, whatever. But uh, you know what? This Max Cressy and FAA match Tuesday morning. FAA is only a three ten favorite. There's a lot of talk about this Cressy kid, and I've watched him play on grass. I've watched him play a little bit. I love serving volley, but he doesn't have the, a big enough second serve to uh, serve and volley behind that. And I think, quite frankly. FAA is going to mop the court with this kid, and I think it goes under 41 and a half games. Uh, yeah, it probably does. I, I don't like Felix in the same way that you don't like Shapovalov. He just costs me money. He's the new Gael Monfils for me. Um, yeah, Gael Monfils is entertaining. These kids are not entertaining. They're obnoxious and annoying. Well, yeah, there's, there's, there's a bit of that going on. Like, I've, you know, I've... I've never got a problem with Gael other than he blows up every time he looks like he's going to win. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I'm I'm looking forward to this kid going home as well. I, I just think uh, the same of him as you do of Denis Shapovalov. Right. I just couldn't – I would never want to coach either of those two kids for a lot of reasons. And, yes, I probably could get the call if I, if I really pushed it. But I ain't interested in these kids. Now here we go. Marcus Giron against Holger Rune. Rune is a short dog at plus 116. Giron is a minus 130 favorite. And you know what? I don't like playing favorites that much, but I don't see how this Rune wins this match. He's a, he's another one who has a little bit of a temper. And the problem with a temper is it can go either way for you. It can either work in your favor or work against you. I'm not so sure it works in his favor. And I think Giron just knocks the snot out of this kid. Yeah, well, you could ask Fabio Fognini how that goes for you. Um, yeah, you're probably right. Rune's not a grass court player, so probably not much hope on him doing much here. No, I don't think so. And let me see. Is there anything else that I'm missing out on here? You know what? This match could get interesting, too. You want to talk about a shot at a dog? Richard Gasquet plays Joa Sousa. Sousa is a plus 175 dog. Gasquet is a 195 favorite. 
the number. The spread is three and a half games. The total is 37 and a half. I think Gasquet gets his ticket punched in this match. He, yeah, yeah, I think he might actually. I think he's coming up to retirement time, so this might be the last time you see him on the grass at Wimbledon. So that could happen. The one that I'm looking at is a couple below that on the chart is um, Van. Is it Van de Zanschlup? The Dutch yeah, that's him. That's the match I've got circled. He's playing against 40-year-old Feliciano Lopez. Feliciano Lopez, he's going to be banging it down. He's going to be coming to volley. Um, you know, he's not at the best time the last few years at Wimbledon. This guy first appeared at Wimbledon in 2002. So this is his, well, they had the 2020 tournament was cancelled. This is his 19th appearance at Wimbledon, I think. Um, maybe his 20th. Uh yeah, this could probably the last time we'll see Feliciano Lopez, but um, he's got the potential to cause an upset. And then the the, the other one I, I had circled, which was um, near the bottom of the jaw there, was uh, your boy, Tommy Paul, playing against Fernando Verdasco. Yep, Fernando Verdasco is still playing, um, which I, I thought was interesting. Um, that that's, that's actually one of the matches on today. Um, I, I thought that might be an interesting one there. Fernando Verdasco probably in his last appearance at Wimbledon. Not interesting enough maybe to bet on now, but interesting enough to consider. I'll tell you what, Craig, great stuff today. I, I, I want to caution you all. Make sure if you're live betting that you're actually watching the match. That's the first thing. And second of all, make sure that the game, the match is either at a commercial break or on a changeover. Don't bet while they're playing points because there's no such thing as live TV or any of those other things. You got anything to add? Um, No, not really. I mean, enjoy the show. You know, it's going to be a great two weeks. We'll be back at the end of the first week and, and we'll offer you some, some tips and advice for, for the second week. Yep, that's right. Don't forget... You can find us, you can find, track us at BetStamp. You can find us on philnationshow.com. And we are looking forward to uh, bringing you the best tennis picks for next weekend. We wish you a lot of luck. Make sure you gamble responsibly. Make sure you're not playing with your rent money or any of those other things. Only play with money that you can afford to lose. For Craig Doyle, I'm Phil Nations. Thanks for listening to This Week in Tennis. This Week in Tennis.